was kind of trying to come up here and get a little bit ready. Thought maybe Tim, Pastor Tim, might have a little more to say while I get my composure. Was that just not powerful? It's like, oh my word. Oh. Phew. Praise God. Why don't you pray for me? <laughs> yeah, would you just extend your hand to Pastor Lynn right now? saying Lord more 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 that this amazing man of God's lips would just be completely just dripping with the anointing oh whoa the anointing pastor then I just saw like the, the the vessel just being poured out on you right now just from the top of your head and just dripping all over you that for such a time and a word is right now Lord that right now you would just just whew, over him over his mind over his heart that we're saying with a clean hands and a pure heart that he brings the word of God with power and anointing oh Jesus Jesus right now in the name of Jesus the word that's going to be spoken the word that's going to be spoken that's going to come from overflow that's going to come out of his belly as rivers of living water I'm saying Lord over his feet that every place he steps right now in the spirit is high ground that he's taking for the kingdom of God every word that comes out is going to pierce the darkness it's going to change from darkness to light. That's going to change lives. That's going to change hearts. That's going to change minds. Not just by the revelation that you have downloaded to him, but by the power and the authority that you have given to him. That as Pastor Lynn stands with his robe and his ring, proclaiming and declaring the word of God, the authority that comes through Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. So just more. In Jesus' name. We say, Holy Spirit, have your way this morning. Yeah. Have your way this morning. Oh. He is so good. So, so, so good. I think the first thing I'd like to start with is a, a scripture from uh, Passion Translation. Passion Translation. And I just stepped out there to take a little break, and Rolando said, uh, how are you? I said, having a hard time keeping my balance right now. Just such a heavy presence of God. Did you all not experience that heavy, heavy, he oh, my word. Whew. So good. So good. Um, I think what I'd like to read. Okay, Paige, quit shaking here. <laughs> he uh, We're in the 14th chapter of Acts, and I'm reading from Passion Translation. I just, this is not something that I had planned. That's why I 
struggling here just for a little bit along with trying to get my composure here. But I'm ready. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, as soon as I figure out which verse. He is the creator of all things. Turn to the living God. He's the creator of all things, the earth, the heavens, the sea, and everything they contain. In previous generations, he allowed the nations to pursue their own ways. But he, he, has never left himself without clear evidence of his goodness. Oh, everybody say, his goodness. For he blesses us with rain from heaven, seasons of fruitful harvests, and he nourishes us with food to meet our needs. Some of that food is every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He satisfies our lives, and I love this in this translation, and euphoria fills our hearts. <laughs> he satisfies our lives, and euphoria fills our hearts. How many this morning felt that euphoria in our hearts just this morning as we were just worshiping in the presence? It was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> There's a peace of God in his presence that surpasses all understanding, and about the only way to describe it is euphoria. Why am I the only one smiling? <laughs> Did you not have a euphoric experience, feelings this morning? that just came where you felt euphoria in your heart? Yes, yes. Praise God. Okay. I had a... I had a dream probably a week and a half ago, something like probably ten days ago. And I haven't had any like demonic, tormenting type dreams for a long, long time. Especially, uh, we've moved into our new house, and not a single one in that, in that new house. But first of all, I'm going to tell you, I was limping around here with a knee issue, left knee. Something really weird, and, and I started limping, and a lot, lot of pain, a lot of pain, no explanation for that. It's like, what have I done? I didn't twist, I didn't jump. Uh, nothing, nothing, nothing. I couldn't think of a, a reason in the second day of that, that, that night, I ended up having a dream. In this dream, I was just walking through my house. I remember it was like over close to, the, to, to going into the hallway that goes to the other two bedrooms from the master bedrooms and, and near the piano, and I experienced something that I haven't for a long, long time, and that's the presence of evil. You know when you feel a demonic presence and, and there's a cold a cold that comes over you. It's just like a, a chill. It's like, ah, I felt that. And it's like, what? I remember I stopped. It's like, what? And I said, and in my dream, I stopped right there, just stopped dead stop where, where I felt it, where, where it came over me. And I said very loudly in my dream, you slimy dirtbag. You have no permission to be here. You're an intruder and you have to go. And 
I woke up and I remember in dreams in the past doing, having to do battle for a long time to fight that and, and just, but this in my dream was like five seconds, ten seconds. It was that loud declaration by understanding the authority that I have and loudly making that declaration. In my dream, the, like the warm honey oil feeling, warm back up, gone, 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 and I just woke up thinking, wow. That's amazing. We have that authority. When we realize it, when we understand it, we have that authority. You slimy dirtbag, you are an intruder. You have no right here. Get out. Get out. Seems like so many, so many people have had... I mean, we, we have been under an oppression. Our, 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 our nation has been under an, an oppressive spirit it's over our nation. And lots of people have had, ended up having these struggles. And I feel like that's something that has just been made so, 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 so clear. You slimy dirtbag, you have no right to be here. Get out. Get out. And then, got out of bed that next morning. That was just short, sweet, and I, and I had such a good feeling afterwards, you know, the warm oil feeling. It's like I got out of bed, got up, started walking around. It's like, my knee doesn't hurt this morning. It's like, wow, pretty crazy. I shared that. I came, and came to church and I shared that with Pastor Tim. I was like, man, I got an experience I just have to share with you. I told him and he's like, yes, yes, yes. You know, some of our oppression, some of, the, some of the pain that we go through, some of the physical ailments that we have are definitely attached to the spirit realm. And we can take authority over that. And when I kick in my dream, in my sleep, and my however that comes about, that dream, vision, derision thing, I kick that out and it's like, oh, thank you, Jesus. It's like, okay. I, got, I want to tell you uh, a couple of stories, and these stories are going to be connected to something. So you're saying, that's a pretty weird story, Lynn. Pastor Lynn. <laughs> Probably you'll say Lynn instead of Pastor Lynn after I tell this first one, but no. I, this is one of my most memorable moments in high school. One of my most humiliating, embarrassing moments in high school, yet most memorable. Aren't those usually the most memorable? <laughs> the most? Well, I was sitting about, we were at a basketball game my junior year, sitting at a basketball game about the fifth or sixth row up, right behind the cheerleaders and, you know, the rest of the school that's happening down there watching a basketball game. And an underclassman, a sophomore, came walking up the, st up the, the stairs. I always like to sit on the end. End row, end row. Same thing in high school, end row, next to the stairs. Somebody came walking up the stairs, and there between my buddy and I was our, a, a little space because that's where he had his coat, his jacket laid right there. It's basketball season, so it makes sense to have your jacket there. And he opts to take a shortcut to his seat, step on that coat, step on up, and across the seats. It's like, What? What are you thinking? Why would you do that? So I was quick to tell him, hey, 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 go around. He continued on up, 
went up to his seat. Now, we can let that go. Don't have to make a big scene or a big deal of that. But it definitely frustrated me, disrespected, and somebody stepping on our stuff. You know? It's not right, is it? Okay, well, about 15 or 20 minutes later, he came back down. That's, yeah, exactly. Now, if somebody came back down, and you were a self-respecting 17-and-a-half-year-old male, what would you do? Say, please go around? No, no. He stepped between us, my buddy and I. Then his next step was out towards the, the stairway that goes down. So we had to take a long step. <laughs> what are you thinking? <laughs> the question is, what was I thinking? Very impulsive. It's like, you stepped on my stuff. I warned you once. That was a stupid thing to do. So I very carefully grabbed his back foot very carefully placed it behind his front leg, and he went, ah! but everybody, you know, when you begin to trip, there's always like a survival uh, kind of a thing. He reached back, grabbed my sweatshirt, <laughs> and the momentum of him falling down the steps pulled me right out of my seat, over him, and we both tumbled. <laughs> down about five steps to the gym floor in front of the cheerleaders, in front of the guys who sit, the seniors that sit on the front row. So what would any other self-respecting 17-and-a-half-year-old male do but scramble as quickly as I could to get to my feet? I gotta tell you another story. How many of you are golfers? Huh. A small handful of golfers. You know, when you, when you tee up the ball and you select your clubs, but you know, you teed up on the tee, it's so much fun to want to hit that thing a mile. It's like, like raise your head to see where that thing's going to go. You know, get a big old wind up. You're supposed to keep your eye on that ball. Your shoulder is supposed to turn your head as you've kept your eye on the ball, make contact, and then see where the ball goes. Right? Right, Steve? Those are the lessons we've had. Well, I've always had a problem with that, keeping my eye on that ball. Same problem when I got up, scrambled to my feet, decided I was going to knock him out. I'm going to take your head off right here because you have absolutely humiliated me. <sighs> Take a big wind-up, not like a boxer, do some, some, some of this, take a big wind-up, because I was humiliated, I was furious, like... And he got up just in time to see what was happening, ducked, which caused me to miss, trip over him, dive into the front row, put my fist into one of my friend's eyes right there. As I'm trying to get back to my feet, because I have got to straighten this out now, I'm grabbed from behind, and he's grabbed. The security came, ushered me out one door, ushered him out the other door. And, you know, I never saw him up close again at school one more time. 
something that he avoided me, something that nobody teased me about. Only my closest friends, when we talked about that, oh, good job, nice shot. <laughs> The point is, there was very much, from my perspective, a perceived injustice that took place because, and he was warned, he came both ways, both directions, walked over it again, so something, I believe, had to be done. Even though it was extremely embarrassing, it was extremely humiliating, I think about the after effects, the, 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 what, what had created, and Never got picked on. Nobody wanted to even tease me about that. They realized that I had definitely taken a stand. And even though I missed, apparently it was respected. That make sense? Sound just a little bit crazy. Somebody said no. <laughs> anyway. Now, I have another story that I have to, have to tell you. That See, my kids, the next generation and the next generation, pretty much are raised the same way. You know, nobody will take advantage of you. Nobody will. Um, and so I'm not going to tell you any stories about the next generation right under me, my sons. I had two sons that have given me seven grandchildren. I'm going to tell a little story about a grandchild. It's a little milder as we go down another generation, so... I had a granddaughter that was her senior year, went to uh, a school on the other side of the river, a different county. And in that school, there was some kind of like some cliques and a little bit of, a little bit of bullying. And uh, we've never stood well for injustice or seeing somebody get bullied. So there was um, a somewhat special needs, just a little bit. One of those, you know, in the chicken pen where there's the one chicken that always gets pecked on and gets there. You know what I'm talking about? It's one of these people, and, and uh, she was trying to play a, a sport or, you know, carry the towels and stuff in, in the basketball uh, down there, and, and she was picked on by one of the girls. And, the other, and this girl was a larger girl, and she had two friends. And she just picked on her. She picked on several people at the school. She was a bully. Everybody say bully. Yeah, she was a bully. Well, my granddaughter went to stand up for this other little girl, and so she became, there were three of them, so she became some of the victim of this bully girl and her two friends. So she went and talked to her father about it, who is one of my sons, and her father gave her some very specific instructions as to how to deal with a bully. And she went the very next day and followed those instructions to the T. My son called me and said, Dad? I said, yeah, what's going on? Son, I won't mention names. You'll have to guess this. What's going on? He goes, well, I'm just on my way back from the superintendent's office. Got to have a little visit with the school superintendent. He says, but, and I said, okay, well, justice. <laughs> He says, uh, he told me the story. He says, well, I told her exactly what to do. This girl came into the locker room, and she started to bully the other girl. She then turned her attention to, we'll just call him Martha. Turned her attention to Martha. 
Martha said, that's about enough of that. And <laughs> right in the nose, they had a, like a little laundry area in the, in, in the room there. So it like took about three shots to get to, to the top of the washer, went from the top of the washer to the ground. And then she took off out to the gym, but she, she immediately looked at the other two and said, either one of you want some? Nope, nope, nope. So the girl then took to crawling, trying to get into the gymnasium, where she followed her out there and spoke to her just like I was speaking to that demon that was in my dream, in my house. You will never do that again. You owe some apologies to some people, and unless you do, you will... So here's the really interesting part. There were two teachers that were in the gym that just like... <laughs> because justice was taking place. And injustice had just been corrected. And, but she ended up having to be, what do they call it when you, when you can't come to school? The rest of that day, she had to go in and have a meeting. So a half a day, a half a day of no school, quite a punishment, while they just kind of turned their heads and, hmm, justice has just taken place. Okay, we're going to turn. <laughs> Let's get to some scripture now, huh? <laughs> I believe that God hates injustice. And I believe that sometimes it is necessary for us to stand against injustice. And when we take that stand against injustice... Sometimes physical things just happen. You don't agree? Oh, okay. All right. I want to... Uh, you see Paul in Acts. We're, we're reading in Acts. We're going to read some more in Acts. and uh, I want to share some, some facts right here, some facts that, I've, that I have determined... I went through all of the New Testament from the end of the Gospels through Acts and all the way to the end. And do you know how many red letters there are in the, that part, that two-thirds or so of the New Testament where Jesus is speaking? Very, very few. Until you get to Revelation where, where, where John was hearing and seeing all of those words of Jesus, there's only 30 scriptures from Acts till you get to Revelation. There's only 30 red-letter scriptures where Jesus has spoken. And most of that was where he was giving instruction to either to Peter or to Paul or in Acts 2.38, you know, where he was talking, or, I mean, when he presented himself to the disciples, to the apostles, you know, showing them who he was and telling them to tarry. Very, very little. So I want to read you uh, 
one of those 30 scriptures. And I think that when we find red letters in the rest of the Bible, they should be capitalized and just stand out like crazy. Are you following me? Because when you take one of the Gospels, you just take one of the Gospels, and I found in each of the Gospels that there were over 300 in each of them, scriptures, red letters that Jesus had spoken. 300 times 4, it's about 1,200 of them plus, 1,200 of them plus in the Gospels, 30 of them in the rest until you get to Revelation. So let's pay attention to those, huh? Okay, I want to read. I want to read this. We're going to go to the eighteenth chapter. Now Paul has been beaten a couple of times. He's been stoned once. They left for dead. The disciples came, stood around him. He resurrected, came back to life. The next day, he took off. <laughs> witnessing, preaching the gospel again. It's like just laying some of the foundation here. When we get to chapter 18, Paul has gone through some struggles. He's um, moved in, gone to stay with somebody who lives right next, to, right next to a synagogue as he's trying to persuade Jews and Greeks that Jesus is the Messiah. So I'm going to start with verse 4. Chapter 18, and he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and persuaded both Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was constrained by the Spirit, held back, and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to him, Your blood be upon your own heads. I'm clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. Verse 7, And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice. <laughs> That's pretty fitting, isn't it? <laughs> One who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. We're going to go to verse 9 and 10 now. Now, the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision. It's like, all right, this is one of those where the Lord spoke directly to Paul again after calling him back in about the ninth chapter. And he says very clearly, Paul, do not be afraid, but speak. Do not Keep silent. Do not be afraid, Paul, but speak. Do not keep silent. For I am with you, and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. Hmm. And he continued there for a year and six months, teaching the word of God among them. Now when Galileo was proconsul of, ah, of Achaia, yeah, that one too, the Jews with one accord rose up against Paul and brought him to the judgment seat. This is like 
where the governor sits over this, this, this whole thing, and, and, and saying, them saying, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. I want you to hear, I want to back up again. Don't be afraid, but speak. Do not keep silent, for I'm with you. No one will attack you to hurt you, for I have many people in this city. Yet he gets drugged right into the, in there to, the, to the, the judgment seat to stand before the governor to try to defend himself. Now, what are they claiming? Number 13, this fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. I just want to say that we in this country have been faced with this very same thing right here. We're persuading men to worship God contrary to the law. How many of you are wearing masks? How many of you are six feet apart? How many of you are following all of the rules that have been set forth here for us? Man, we have been under such oppression for how we're supposed to or not supposed to worship God. It's like, that's just horrible, isn't it? Pastor Rich was preaching uh, uh, basically on some of this, a little different, little different version, but some of the same thing last Sunday. Wasn't that an amazing message that he brought last Sunday? It's just like, wow. This fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. It's like we, in this great country, I mean, I, I'm not anxious to jump right off and, you know, try to get, get myself in trouble, but, 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 political, political, political. Not going to bring politics into this, but there is so much right now that's coming against our freedom. Whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and freedom. And that's what is supposed to happen in the house of God. We're supposed to be able to freely worship God and, and, and operate in that freedom and bring in our gun if we want to and have freedom of speech, all of which are under attack right now. All of which are under attack by the current administration that we have. It's scary what's happening. This fellow persuades men to worship God contrary to the law. When Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be a reason why I should bear with you. And I say, if we were doing something wrong if we weren't just preaching and teaching truth and the gospel of hope, maybe there would be a reason that we could be in trouble. But for freedom of speech or right to bear arms, for that to be under attack, that is wrong, 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 wrong. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Okay. When Paul was about to open his mouth, Galileo said to the Jews, if it were a matter of wrongdoing or wicked crimes, O Jews, there would be a reason why I should bear with you. 
But if it's a question of words and names, your own law, look to it yourselves, for I do not want to be judge of such matters. And he drove them from the judgment seat. Now listen to this part. Now all the Greeks took Sosthenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and they beat him up before the judgment seat. Like, hmm. Now Paul has just said, just not very long ago, that my ministry now is going to go to the Greeks. What did the Greeks do? They took one of the rulers of the synagogue right there, and they beat him before the judgment seat. And what happened? Galileo took no notice. He just turned his back and said, hmm. What do you think of that? Justice. 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 Okay. I want to switch back now to the 14th chapter of Acts again. After preaching, uh, 31st, 21st verse, I can see that now. 1421. After preaching the wonderful news of the gospel there and winning a large number of followers to Jesus, they retraced their steps and revisited Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. At each place they went, they strengthened the lives of the believers and encouraged them to go deeper in their faith. What has this big craziness that we've gone through in almost the last year caused in all of us? We've been strengthened and gone deeper in our faith. We've been strengthened and gone deeper in our faith. Say, Lord, I want more. Lord, I want more. Each place they went, they strengthened the lives of the believers and encouraged them to go deeper in their faith. And they taught them. It is necessary for us to enter into the realm of God's kingdom because that's the only way we will endure our many trials and persecutions. Do you hear that? What does that mean to you? What does that mean to you? It is necessary for us to enter into the realm of God's kingdom because that's the only way we will endure our many trials and persecutions. Second Peter says, where he gives the list, what I just call the, 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 the believers, how to, how to build a believer, want to be a Christian, follow all of these in the uh, first chapter of Second Peter. It says, if you do these things in increasing measure, you will be granted entrance into the everlasting kingdom of God. So as we become, as we become consecrated, dedicated, baptized, baptized in the Holy Spirit believers, we have access, as it says in Hebrews, to the Holy of Holies through the blood of Jesus. Are you following me? We can access heavenly realms. We can experience euphoria in the middle of trials. We can experience euphoria in the middle of trials. That peace that surpasses all understanding that we can only get 
when we enter into the Holy of Holies, is available to each one of us. When I think, it's like, how, how, to, how did that work? Give, give me an example of this, Pastor Lynn. It's like, man, you know what happened when, read the story of Stephen. When Stephen was being stoned, what, 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 was, what was happening when Stephen was being stoned? What was he seeing? What was he experiencing as he was being stoned? He was entering into a euphoric realm of heaven and experiencing what God had for him to allow him to just be it's like, you know what, they need forgiven, they need forgiven. Jesus, I see you, I see, I see, I see. We have access to the heavenly realm, and that's the way that we can overcome any trials, any tribulations, anything that comes against us. We take our stand when we've done all that we can do, stand. When I think of the, the full armor of God, I think Chris Vallotton says, says it so well. When we've done all that we can do, stand. But he said, you know, put on the breastplate of righteousness and all of the armor. He said, there is no shield for the back. We don't turn and run. We stand. We stand. But we stand where we go into heavenly places where we get to experience that, oh, that peace that surpasses understanding. Francis, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You just texted me. I experienced a peace that I can't even imagine. You said a peace that I have no explanation for. A peace that's beyond any understanding as we have the euphoric presence. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We need to stand against injustice. We need to take a stand against injustice. But we do our battle in heavenly places. Would you stand with me? Something that I know that I've, I have shared another time that when we think of tolerance, tolerance, tolerance. You know, we as Christians, we're supposed to be very loving, tolerant people. And I agree to a point, to a point. But James says we're either sons of the devil or we're sons of God. It's like choose this day whom you will serve. Will you be a son of the devil or will you be a son of God? Sons of God stand against injustice. And one other thing is, what one generation tolerates, the next generation celebrates. And we have tolerated so, 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 so much. It's time that we as Christians take a stand. That we take a stand. Not with our back turned. It's like, submit to God, resist. Resist. When we've done all that we can do physically, stand. 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 Thank you, Father, that you are such a good and such a loving, loving God. And your word says that we're supposed to be peacemakers and wherever that Paul says whenever it's possible that we be at peace with all men. But we but when we end up put in impossible situations where injustice is happening, no longer are we peacemakers, but we're part of the army of God, which we keep 
peace through power. And where does our power come from? When we're plugged into the power source, which is the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you that you are such a good, good God. I thank you, Jesus, that you overcame death, sin, and the grave, that you completely made a footstool of your enemy and our enemy, the devil and his demons, that you have given us full authority over that realm. And I pray that you would show, teach, empower, embolden each one of us to know and understand and boldly walk in that understanding of who we are, the authority that we carry, and whose we are. We give you thanks, I give you praise, and I say, empower, 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 embolden and bring confidential belief into each one that's gathered here today in your presence. I thank you for that presence. I thank you for all that you've said and done here today. In your precious name, Jesus Christ, amen.